Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 23 through 31, and the title of the message today is Thread of Faith. We're in a seven-part series on the subject of faith, and uh, the title of the series is Finding Your Faith. And in this seven-part series, we're trying to uh, rekindle some of the faith that may have gone rusty in our lives, may have frozen up, may have gotten dust on it. And uh, I believe with all of my heart that, that uh, saved people, people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, I believe that oftentimes we have a vibrant faith for our salvation, but a, uh, a very frozen faith or a rusted faith, a corroded faith in our daily walk of life. And to that end, we've been trying to encourage um, each of us to live by and to have a real and a vibrant faith in our lives by no scientific observation or statistical information. I've come to a conclusion on my own. This is one of those, it seems to me, conclusions. And that is, I believe that matters of life follow a thread of familiarity. I believe that matters of life follow a, a frame of reference, if you will. Occasionally, someone will break out from their frame of reference, but typically, our sense of adventure does not take us out of the places of comfort that we have in our lives. We all have certain places or <clears throat> certain routes of comfort. Most often, uh, girls become their mothers and boys become their dads as life and time advances on. Uh, matters of faith and family and fortune and a lot more come through that thread or that line of contact or conversance, uh, <clears throat> things with which we are just extraordinarily familiar. Now today's ta text has a lot to say about, um, uh, has a lot to say, but there's something that it <clears throat> does not say, but something that fits in with what I have just said. There's something that you do not see, but it is as evident as the DNA in our bodies and as real as the DNA in our bodies. Let's see if we can figure it out. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin." He considered the <clears throat> reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. But by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. <clears throat> but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. 
by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So in nine verses we have gone from the mother of Moses to a harlot or a prostitute in Jericho named Rahab. It's an interesting progression. You might think it's a digression, but it's actually a a progression, more really following a thread of faith that began at the beginning of the uh, text and actually prior to that. And then it moved on through to Rahab, and of course it went on beyond that. What is that thread that holds all of these people together? Well, first of all, let's begin, by, and obviously it's faith, but let's begin by seeing the beginning, at least in this story, of parental uh, faith. Parental faith is a vital part of, um, of life. I'm not sure if this is Asher's first Sunday out of the hospital, is it? It's his <clears throat> first Sunday out of the hospital. Mark and Claire May Campbell have uh, established that in their family and life, <clears throat> faith was going to be a very important part of all that they do. So Asher's first Sunday out of the hospital is he finds himself in the house of God. That wasn't his choice. That was his parents' choice. It was a matter of <clears throat> parental faith. We all know the statistics that show that a home where both mother and father are born-again believers, and not only that, but practicing believers, faithful believers, we realize that in a home like that, children are more likely to become Christians and perpetuate the household of faith than in other kinds of homes. Uh, This was the point of our last message when we saw that faith moved from generation to generation to generation. You'll recall as we spoke about generations of faith, how that faith did move from one generation to another. Now this is where the story picks up today. The faith of the parents. The parents who did something. But before we tell you about the parents, I have to reveal to you the problem that the parents were dealing with by their faith. You may recall that Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Egyptian king, in the eyes of Pharaoh. And that favor continued on even beyond Joseph's life because Joseph had such an impact on Egypt. He was Jewish, he was an Israelite, and we know the story of how he got there. But he had such an impact on Egypt's life that there was favor carried for the Israelites for many years after Joseph's death. But there eventually would come a time when the, the king didn't know Joseph. And so there was a king who came and he had no frame of reference. The Bible says he's the king who, who knew not or he didn't really know Joseph. He had no frame of reference for Joseph and he came into power. And when he looked around at all of the Israelites, he didn't think about the favor of Joseph and he didn't think about the wonderful things that Joseph had done. All he thought was there's too many Israelites there's too many Jews here, and the Jews are are taken over. And his solution was for the midwives to kill all of the baby boys who were born to Jewish mothers. That was what he instructed them to do, all of the midwives. There's a child born to a, a Jewish mother, 
and that child is a boy, then you kill that boy. Well, they were afraid to do that because they were afraid of the God of, of Israel, and, and they didn't really want to do that, and so they didn't do that. And so after that, he said, all right, if I'm not going to get the baby boys this way, I'm just going to command everybody to take all of the baby boys that are born and throw them into the Nile. And that is exactly what the commandment was, Exodus 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born <clears throat> to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now there's so much application of this uh, in today's world, certainly the application and the, the fight for life and the right to life and, and uh, on and on it goes. And if we were preaching a series about that, we could certainly refer to this and uh, speak of the horror of taking the life of a child and to make good application to taking the life of an unborn child. But I just wanted you to see that in that day, as is today, there is a problem. And the problem in the eyes of that Pharaoh, in the eyes of that king of Egypt, the problem was the, <clears throat> the um, population or as Scrooge used to say, the surplus plus population, there were too many Jews. And so he wanted to get rid of all of the Jews. So that was the problem. Then come the parents. Now the parents are key to this whole story today. And just so you'll know, Moses' parents had names. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20. Amram uh, took his uh, wife, uh, Jochebed, his father's sister, and bore, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years old. So there was a, a man and a woman named Amram and Jochebed, and Amram and Jochebed uh, had these children. Amram and Jochebed were the parents of both Moses and Aaron, and they were people of faith. I do not understand all of that relationship. I don't, uh, wouldn't promote that kind of a relationship today. Uh, it appeared to me to be some family marrying there, but you know what? Then again, the guy's name was Amram. And uh, I can't think of Amram without thinking Ramalamadingdong. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> that's just the 50s in me, I guess. But anyhow, uh, at a key moment in the life of Israel, Amram and Jochebed uh, acted on faith, and they opposed <clears throat> the edict of the government. And so because of parental faith, then came the protection. Moses was <clears throat> protected, verse 23 of our text. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I think that's an important aspect of this. They had a greater fear for God than they did the king. They had a greater fear for God than they did the wickedness that had been issued from the throne. Now, this is not the beginning of the thread, but it is a visible point in the thread. And when I say it's not the beginning of the thread, here's what I mean. Somewhere along the line, somebody had influenced Amram and Jochebed, uh, perhaps it was indeed Abraham, <clears throat> to, um, to have a, 
uh, an appropriate relationship, uh, if you will, uh, <clears throat> with the Lord and to, to walk in faith. I'm sure if you trace their history, you'd find that Amram and Jochebed had people in their lives who influenced them as well. And even though Pharaoh had decreed that all the Jewish babies be killed, they hid their firstborn son, their child, Moses. Now the Bible says that he was a beautiful baby boy. And uh, I think that like all parents, but especially these parents, they saw something in him. They saw potential in him. They saw that God had a plan for him. And so they looked deeper into the life of the child. And rather than fear the king, uh, what they did is they protected the child. And so this begins a familiar story as Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in a floating basket. You know all, all know about that. And she immediately took him out of the river. And when she took him out of the river, uh, she decided that she would keep this uh, little Jewish boy for her own. And <clears throat> do you recall that she had to have a nursemaid for him? And uh, you know who she called on to nurse the child? She found Jochebed, actually Moses's mother. Moses' mother was able to, um, to nurse him and to feed him and to raise him and to care for him. And by that, her faith in God and Amram's faith in God was confirmed. And so the first aspect of our story today of the threat of faith is parental faith. I cannot state enough how important it is for parents to be people of faith. I cannot state enough how vital it is for every mom and dad to have a strong faith relationship with God because your children will be raised and will develop values and will develop in life based on that relationship that you have with God. It is vitally, vitally important. Now we move from parental faith to a later time in Moses' life, and this is what I call passionate faith. The passionate faith of Moses became very obvious in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now one trait of, the, of faith that cannot be taught, and, and I don't know a way to teach this, you cannot teach passion. I cannot instruct you in how to have passion. <clears throat> I just can't do it. Now, I might be able to show you passion in my life. I may be able to point out passion in somebody else's life. But passionate faith is an interesting thing that just seems to happen in some people's lives. And when it does happen in somebody's life, it's undeniable you know that person has passion. <clears throat> There's no question about it. Now, it's misunderstood sometimes. Sometimes misun uh, people misunderstand emotion for passion. I think people can be very passionate without being very emotional. By the same token, I think that emotional people can be very passionate, or you could be emotional without <coughs> passionate faith. Uh, in addition to that, some people, look, excuse me, <clears throat> some people look at passion as being impulsive. 
<clears throat> passion can be impulsive, but it's not necessarily impulsive. Simon Peter was both emotional and impulsive. <clears throat> However, he was also passionate. He wasn't impulsive because of his passion. He wasn't emotional because of his passion. He wasn't passionate because of his emotion or his tendency to be impulsive. Passion was something that was a deeper thing in his life. The Apostle Paul was a passionate servant of God. He was a man who was passionate in faith. Elijah uh, of the Old Testament and Stephen of the New Testament were both passionate people. The Bible says of Elijah that he was a man that was like us. And then it goes on and talks about his fervency, how he fervently or he passionately uh, prayed. Moses was a man of passion. Now, how did he become a man of passion? How do you become a man or a woman of passion? How does a college student become a, a person who is passionate of faith or passionate in faith? How does a high schooler become a, a high schooler that, or a teenager who has a passion of faith? Well, I think you have to do this. You have to come to a place in your life where you're willing to cross the line. Everybody who is a passionate person at some point crosses the line. Moses reached a point in his life where he crossed the line. He absolutely stepped over from this life to this life. It was a day of crossing the line. There would be no turning back for him. He would not be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There was a day where he stepped over and he said, I am not going to be affiliated any longer with the household of Pharaoh. He would not identify with the Egyptian people. He would identify with the chosen people of God. He made a decision and he committed to the decision that he made. He didn't make a decision that was a a barely decision that maybe I could go back on. He made a deliberate and a full decision that stepped over the line. And when he stepped over the line, his life was different than it had ever been before. And his life would never go back to being the same. Now, this reminds me of a position of one of the churches in the book of the Revelation. One of the churches in the book of the Revelation was encouraged to take the position that Moses actually took in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And to the angel in the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, here is a church, an entire church, that never stepped over the line. They didn't step over the line in passion. They didn't step over the line in ungodliness. They just kind of hung in the middle. They just kind of stayed in the central zone, if you will. 
Now I want to say this with all of the love and respect that I have in the world for everyone hearing this message and for people not hearing this message today. But I, I want to tell you that this church <clears throat> and the people of this church, like many other churches and many other believers, there should be a stepping over the line. This church, <clears throat> you, some of you, not all of you will do so, but maybe one or two will. Not all of the household of Pharaoh stepped over the line, but there was a day where <clears throat> Moses said, I'm going to step over the line. Here's what I'm saying. If there is a passionate believer within you, please let him or her out. <clears throat> please don't keep that believer inside of you. Understand that it is the passion of believers like Moses that resulted in great victories like the one in Jericho. God uses passionate believers. Now, God can use anybody because God is God, but God uses passionate believers. He wasn't there, that is, Moses wasn't there at Jericho, but the passion of his faith carried through by a single thread to a single thread that we're going to find to be pivotal in the saving of Israel. <clears throat> so my challenge to you today is to step over the line. Now, I'm not going to uh, twist your arm to do so. I'm not going to try and, and power you into doing so. I'm not going to offer you an emotional story to entice you to do so. I'm just going to tell you that somewhere along the way, somebody should step over the line. And somebody should say, <clears throat> from this day forward, I'll be passionate about Christ. I will say this, you're passionate about something. And why would a believer not be <clears throat> passionate about Jesus Christ? Now, this is what happened with Moses. <clears throat> Moses stepped over the line. Once he stepped over the line, then he chose a path. <clears throat> this is very interesting. In Hebrews eleven twenty-five, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Have you noticed that the air is yellow? <laughs> How many of you have a yellow little haze on your cloud on your car? <coughs> man, oh man. Now, <coughs> let me back up and read this again. <coughs> Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy <coughs> the fleeting pleasures of sin. You have to understand that Moses was the adopted grandson of Pharaoh. How restricted do you think Moses' life had been to that point? <clears throat> Moses had it all. <clears throat> there wasn't anything that Moses could ever want or think about wanting or <clears throat> conceive in his head that was going to be unavailable <clears throat> to him. As far as what the world had to offer, <clears throat> there's really no comparison to be made today. 
I don't think that I could point to anybody in today's world and say that they had the kind of privilege that Moses had. Moses was the grandson of Pharaoh. Literally, anything and everything that was available to a single man in that day was available to Moses at any time and at all times. Can you picture that? Go ahead and project somebody that you think might be like that today. And I will tell you, they're not even close. However, when he crossed the line, he chose a path that would be much different. This is a vital point in this message. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of being raised in a household where he could have anything that he wanted at any time. Sometimes we think choosing to live the Christian life means that we give up Sunday mornings to go to church. For some, that's what stepping over the line means. What, What do you mean? I get up and go to church. <clears throat> For some, that's what stepping over the line is. That's <clears throat> choosing the path. And, and trust me, I'm glad you're here today. I mean, there are a lot of people that are not here today because they're on spring break. And then there are a lot of other people who are not here today just because <clears throat> they're not going to go to church. It's just the way that it's happening. I mean, <clears throat> church is becoming less and less and less of a factor in people's lives. And in all honesty, people think, <clears throat> well, choosing a path <clears throat> and stepping over the line and being passionate is going to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes <clears throat> passionate people even go more than one time a week. <clears throat> they go on Sunday and they go another time during the week and, and pray uh, before their meals and read their Bibles. They even, <clears throat> even go to restaurants and they pray in the restaurant before they eat because <clears throat> they've, they've chosen a, a different path and that's what they're giving up. And, and all of these things <clears throat> are good. There's not one thing that's bad about any of those things. And I'm really not belittling any of those things. However, I want you to understand that the choice <clears throat> that Moses made was to go from being the grandson of Pharaoh to the reproach and mistreatment of the Jewish people. And <clears throat> he saw it every day. They were slaves of Egypt. And when I say that he he crossed over the line and he chose a different path, it could not have been any more different. And and you can't say that this slipped up on him. Oh, man, I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. He was the son of Pharaoh. He saw Egyptians in slavery excuse me, Jewish people in slavery to Egypt, every single day he saw them. There wasn't a day that he didn't see that. And do you know what his decision was? His decision was to step over the line and to say, I won't be called Pharaoh's grandson. And in fact, I won't walk in the path of the family or the people of Egypt. I'm going to step over here and I'm going to identify with God's people and in identifying with God's people, I'm choosing their path. 
Now that's called a life-changing experience. And you know what else? He counted the cost for that. <clears throat> he knew what was happening. Verse 26, he considered <clears throat> the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He considered <clears throat> the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of Egypt. This is so interesting and powerful. The Jewish people were looking for the Messiah, the anointed one from God. <clears throat> it, was, it, it made up the whole purpose in their life. They were looking for the promised <clears throat> Messiah from God. The one uh, who was, that was one of the most hated aspects of the Jews. One of the most hated aspects of the Jews is that they were looking for a king who was not <clears throat> Pharaoh. They were looking for a king who was not the king over them. And that was hated by everybody but the Jews. And they were <clears throat> targeted because of that. And the Egyptians hated them because they looked for a king that was not their king. And, and can I say this to you and <clears throat> just, just to hear this? We need to remember this because the world has not changed. The world, there is still a reproach on the Jews. And God still has a protecting hand on the Jews. And God still blesses those who bless them and curses those who curse them. <clears throat> we have to remember this. Moses knew that when he crossed the line, and he chose the path of his people, there would be a cost, the same cost that he had seen every day in the life <clears throat> that he had lived in Pharaoh's household. The cost aspect of the Christian life is not something that we discuss or even embrace today. We don't think about <clears throat> the cost aspect. Look, I, I'm, you can look around this church and tell this church is not filled up today. <clears throat> one filled up last Sunday. And I mean, it'll fill up three times during a passion play and <clears throat> some other times like that. I can tell you how we can fill this up. If, I mean, <clears throat> really, I can tell you. If we start preaching a cost you nothing Christianity, really, and we start practicing <clears throat> a cost you nothing Christianity. Now, some of you'll leave, but that'll be all right. There'll be 50 to come in and take your spot. And the reason <clears throat> is because this is what the world wants. The world does not want to cross over the line. The world does not want to live passionate. The world wants to live like the world wants to live and give me Jesus too. <clears throat> but when you cross over the line, things are different. Moses knew that things would be different when he crossed <clears throat> over the line. If you ever cross over the line, if you ever step over and say, I'm going to really serve God, and it becomes <clears throat> evident and obvious in your life, do not be surprised when there is a cost factor. You say, well, 
Pastor Ray, then I'm never going to do that because I don't want it to cost me anything. I understand that. Most Christians are are like you. But there are some who will step over the line. And when they do, it costs them. Let me show you this from Hebrews 13, 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek one to come. When we're outside the camp, we're going to bear the reproach that he endured. People who leave marks like this provide a thread of faith to generations to come. In the story of this thread of faith, it began with two parents who believed God and had some, had, that believed God had something big in store for their son. And it progressed to and through the life of Moses until one day <clears throat> he proved himself passionate about his faith. But be warned of this. No one can live on passion alone. It will not always be it will not always be mountaintops and communion. <clears throat> there will be valleys and long, long plains to cross. That brings me to the third thing in this thread of faith message, and that's persistent <clears throat> faith. In matters of faith, one of the hardest assignments is that of persistence. It's just hard to be persistent. Look, spring break Sunday, I got up this morning, Jan was on the back porch. I went to the back porch, I opened the door, I looked at her, I said, do we have to go? (laughs) She said, yes, you're the preacher, you have to go. Persistence is a tough thing. Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How can you do that? How can you run and not be weary? How can you walk and not faint? The answer is faith. The thread of faith that came from the parents of Moses has now worked through his life and continues in what will be a spectacular life, but will also have some difficult moments in the journey. Verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. We know that the journey of the children of Israel was 40 years, and we know that Moses was at the helm almost the entire time. And we know that there were many miraculous events that transpired, but there were also some mundane, frustrating times. And it was by faith that Moses took each step along the way. Moses had his moments of weakness, and in the end, they would cost him some of the blessings that he had hoped for, but his faith cannot be questioned. In fact, here's what the book of Deuteronomy says about Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since 
in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord <clears throat> knew face to face. He really was the greatest of all time. <clears throat> Moses went away with the Lord and Joshua followed in the thread of faith. And he led <clears throat> to what I'm going to close with called pivotal faith. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab <clears throat> the prostitute did not perish and those uh, who were disobedient <clears throat> with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. From Jochebed, the mother of Moses, to Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho, all mentioned in the story of faith. How did Rahab <clears throat> become a part of the picture? Well, here's an overview. Once Moses died and Joshua took the mantle of faith, he was ready to take the Israelites into the land of promise, beginning with the walled city of Jericho. And he sent two men into the city to scout the mission. And they stayed at the home of Rahab, who was a prostitute. I'm sure that she was accustomed to taking in strangers. So <clears throat> she took in these two men. The king of Jericho was told that two men of Israel had come into the city to discover the land, and they were staying in the home of Rahab, the prostitute. He sent someone to get the two spies, but Rahab hid them from the men of Jericho. She realized that they were from the true and living God, and the land <clears throat> was promised to them. And to help the men escape, she let them down by a scarlet rope, maybe a symbol of her profession, I don't know, but it became a symbol of her faith. Very quickly, let me read just a portion of that story. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 18, behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother and brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in this house, his blood be on our head. And she agreed to that and by faith she gathered her family into her household and she dropped that red rope that scarlet cord that thread of faith <clears throat> out her window the very same cord by which these two men had escaped the city of Jericho she now uh, utilized as the reminder to all of Israel's army that her house was to be protected and so the faith of a woman named Jochebed passed along to her son who crossed the line and never looked back and living his faith with passion and consistency until his dying day, his faith did not die. It, he, it lived on and literally by a scarlet thread was revealed in the life of one who is in much need of redemption. It started out with the parents faith uh, uh, who had a beautiful boy and it ended up in this ugly profession, a woman whose life had been completely changed and it was all the same thread of faith. Faith is a beautiful story. Let me ask you this, <clears throat> can you trace a thread of faith to your salvation? Was it someone at, at work or at school? Was there a 
a family member who was placed in your path to lead you to the place of salvation. More important than that, where does your path lead from here? Is there a thread that you plan to continue on? Do you plan to continue faith in your life? Do you plan to find your faith? And all of those who come behind you, will they find you faithful, as Larry's saying? Do you plan to perpetuate faith? Is there someone waiting to cross the line this morning? Is there someone here that would cross the line and become a person of passionate faith? You may never know what the end of your faith may be any more than Moses knew of Rahab's salvation. He never knew of Rahab's salvation. But there was a day when he crossed the line. And in crossing that line, he became a key player in the victory of Israel and the taking of Jericho. And on and on the story goes. My invitation to you today is to at least consider crossing the line. To consider that there is a thread of faith that can go past you. Oftentimes people believe, well, I've ruined my life. I've ruined my opportunity. I've ruined this. I've ruined that. Oh no, if you're a person of faith, there's a thread that can go beyond you but you must cross the line. And today I encourage you to cross the line and perpetuate that thread of faith through your life. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida. 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.